Good morning. Good morning, everybody, and welcome. Welcome to Essex Church, where this, our gathered community of Kensington Unitarians, meets each week. On Sunday mornings, we together create a space where each of us can connect. Connect with ourselves, connect with one another, and connect with that which we hold to be of ultimate worth. It's good to make time and a place where we can pause for a while and reflect with music and silence, with words and thoughts, each following our own individual version of the human life story, yet sharing the journey and the insights that we're gaining. Ours is a community created by all who walk through our doors, and we bid a special welcome to visitors joining us here this morning. So let's take this moment to take a conscious breath, to check how we are right now, to remind ourselves that it is okay to be who we are and how we are. This is a place where we can be who we are and feel what we feel. In our busy city, it's helpful to know that we are not alone, that we can make connections that help us remember we're part of something greater than ourselves. And in our yearnings for connection, we know that we have to take risks. I wonder if any of these risks expressed in words that have been attributed to various writers over the years. I wonder if any of these risks are relevant to you. To laugh is to risk appearing the fool. To weep is to risk being called sentimental. To reach out to another is to risk involvement. To expose our feelings is to risk exposing our true self. To place our ideas, our dreams before the crowd is to risk loss. To hope is to risk despair. And to try is to risk failure. To live is indeed to risk dying. Oh, but to accept these risks and live fully, what joy there is in that choice. And so today our chalice flame burns brightly, reminding us of our liberal religious community the world over, and reminding us that our lives can also shine brightly when we dare to communicate fully and deeply, accepting ourselves and one another as we are, frail yet magnificent creatures, containing such potential for light and life and love, for the possible the yet to be, it's now, it's here, it's you and me. Would you join with me now in a time of prayer and reflection? Mm -hmm. 
as I call on the spirit of life and love to be with us now and to bless all that we do and say together here today. As we look back over the week that has passed, some of us will be aware of the times when we fell short in some way, when we allowed ourselves to be diminished in some way, perhaps by harsh words or thoughts, by failing to act perhaps, or perhaps by acting too hastily. Let us think kindly of ourselves. And we may be aware of the failings of others. We may have been let down in some way or hurt or harmed. When it is right to do so, may we find the gracious gift of forgiveness for others. We may have been frightened or angered or frustrated by life. If so, may the gentle flowing waters of the Spirit allow us to let go of that which is ready to be released. And may the light of understanding shine upon our situations in life so that we can better understand what is required of us at this time. And in a quiet moment of shared stillness, let us each now, if we wish, send our thoughts and our prayers to individual people or places where we know that love is needed. And may we live this day compassionate of heart, clear in word, gracious in awareness, Courageous in thought, generous in love, and in touch with the wisdom of that which will help us along the path. Amen. Whenever I'm uh, sitting listening to somebody else leading worship and they go, I've got this marvellous book. I'm always slightly irritated and immediately want to go and buy the book. (laughs) And I would highly recommend this one to you, The Wise Fool's Guide to Leadership by Peter Hawkins, a long-time friend of this community, a management consultant. And in this book, he uses the uh, Persian stories of the Mullah Nasruddin, the, the holy wise fool, to teach us a bit more about human nature And this section is about leadership communication. Just a a few highlights. Many organisational leaders fail to understand the difference between information and communication. Often I've heard staff in an organisation complain about the lack of communication on the strategic direction, only for senior leaders to respond by saying that they have sent out lots of emails and written communication, and the staff are at fault for not reading it. Organisational leaders often develop internal communications policies and talk about the need to send out a communication without being clear about the difference between information and communication. (coughs) And he goes on to explain that information is a one-way business. It conveys data and facts, but communication, true communication, is two-way and involves perspectives and feelings as well as the information. 
it also, true communication, involves listening. And so he goes on to tell this story called Bon Appetit. This is for the linguists amongst us. And the story tells of Nasruddin, who soon became rich on his earnings as a management consultant, and like many rich fools, decided to go on a cruise. And the first night on his cruise, he was given a table with a Frenchman. And at the beginning of the meal, as we might expect, the Frenchman greeted him with bon appétit. Now, Nasruddin thought that the Frenchman was politely introducing himself, so he responded by saying, Mullah Nasruddin, and they had a pleasant meal. But then, at breakfast the next morning, it started with the same ritual, the Frenchman saying bon appétit. And Nasruddin, who now thought that the Frenchman must be a little slow of learning, said even more loudly, Mullah Nasruddin! And at lunch, the same thing happened, and by now Nasruddin was really irritated. You can have his irritation if you like, Katie. He thought he must be a very dim-witted Frenchman. But luckily, that afternoon, he got talking to a fellow passenger who spoke French and was an intercultural consultant and trainer. And he, of course, was able to enlighten Nasruddin and tell him that Bon Appetit was a polite French greeting that meant have a nice meal. Ah, thank you, said the enlightened and relieved Nasruddin. And so all afternoon, he practised on the deck of his cruise ship, walking up and down. And that evening, he very proudly sat down at dinner, smiled and said to his new French friend, Bon appétit, Moulin Nasruddin. (laughs) (laughs) Such a lovely story, isn't it? (laughs) Parker Palmer from A Hidden Wholeness says... When you speak to me about your deepest questions, you do not want to be fixed or saved. You want to be seen and heard, to have your truth acknowledged and honoured. If your problem if your problem is soul deep, your soul alone knows what you need to do about it, and my presumptuous advice will only drive your soul back into the woods. So the best, advi- the best service I can render when you speak to me about such a struggle is to hold you faithfully in a space where you can listen to your inner teacher. Most of us, so carefully schooled in our need to be actively helpful to people, are very surprised to discover the healing power of this kind of listening. Rachel Naomi Remen writes that perhaps the most important thing we bring to another person is the silence in us. Not the sort of silence that is filled with unspoken criticism or hard withdrawal. No, the sort of silence that is a place of refuge, of rest, of acceptance of someone as they are. We are all hungry for this other silence, and it's hard to find. In its presence, we can remember something beyond the moment, a strength on which to build a life. Our silence is a place of great power and healing. And John Fox writes, that when someone deeply listens to you, it's like holding out a dented cup you've had since childhood and watching it fill up with cold, fresh water. 
When it balances on top of the rim, you are understood. And when it overflows and touches your skin, you are loved. Um, several ministry students here with us today and uh, they will know that one of the things that they teach you in ministry training is the importance of speaking clearly you can have the most wonderfully crafted sermon every word a gem and if they can't hear you in the back pew then you might as well be reading from the Argos (laughs) catalogue So you have to be loud enough and you have to use language that other people can understand. Language that speaks to people of their own lives and their own experiences. Another interesting thing about leading worship, and I know a number of people here will have had this experience, is is when people come and thank me for what I've said, and in reality I never said it. I think it's a really good reminder of how much human communicating goes on within our own heads and, of course, within our own hearts and how communicating isn't quite as straightforward as we sometimes wish it would be. Um, The Mullah Nasruddin, who we heard about early on, was said to be a marvellous preacher and so it's hardly surprising that a Unitarian group asked him to be their keynote speaker at their summer school conference And when the day came, apparently, Nasruddin mounted the pulpit and spoke. Oh, people, he said, do you know what I'm going to tell you? And the audience, used to audience participation, replied enthusiastically, no, we do not know. Well, then you're clearly not ready to hear it, said the mullah. (laughs) And he descended from the pulpit and went home. Now, the Unitarians were taken aback, but they're not people to be stopped at the first hurdle. And it it made them all the more curious, and so they asked him back to speak again. So Nasruddin started his sermon the same way as he had before. And this time, the congregation answered as one when he asked them, do you know what I'm going to tell you? And they answered as one, yes, we know. Well, in that case, said the mullah, there's no need for me to detain you any longer, as you clearly don't need me. You may go. And he returned home. Having been prevailed upon to preach for a third time, third year running, he started his address as before. Do you know what I am going to tell you? The congregation was really ready this time. Some of us do, and others do not. (laughs) Well, that's excellent, said Nazruddin. Then let those who know communicate their knowledge to those who do not. And he went home. And when it comes to communicating of any sort, I reckon that most of us have much to learn. And that's why some of us are attending a course on compassionate communication here at Essex Church this weekend. Using methods developed by Marshall Rosenberg, a clinical psychologist, founder of the Centre for Nonviolent Communications. Um, and this is a, a non-profit organisation that holds workshops and training in 35 or more countries. Marshall Rosenberg has initiated peace programmes in war-torn areas, Rwanda, Nigeria, Malaysia, the Middle East, Serbia, Croatia, you, you name them. 
but his methods are just as useful in our everyday life relationships and communities such as ours because when it comes to communicating, well, we all do quite a bit of it, clearly on a Sunday morning, me more than most, but what we say may not actually be heard and much of our seeming communicating takes place in our own minds where we busily interpret what we think other people mean. And we humans, well, at least I, and I suspect some of you, struggle at times even to communicate clearly with ourselves. It's not always easy, is it, to understand our own motivations or concerns? And how many of us, I wonder, regularly have conversations in our own heads? You know, the kind of things... Well, sometimes I pretend to have a compensation with somebody else in my own head, but sometimes I just do it with myself. You know, the kind of, why did I say that? What's the matter with me? Why did they say that? What did they mean? It takes effort and courage to take communication to a deeper, more authentic level where we actually feel safe to be who we truly are and where we can then allow others to reveal themselves authentically to us. In Marshall Rosenberg's book, Nonviolent Communications, he quotes a poem by Ruth Babermeyer called Words Are Windows or Their Walls that convey the problems and the possibilities of our communicating. I wonder if this rings any bells with you. I feel so sentenced by your words. I feel so judged and sent away. But before I go, I've got to know, is that what you mean to say? Before I rise to my defence, before I speak in hurt or fear, before I build that wall of words, tell me, did I really hear? Words are windows or they're walls. They sentence us or set us free. When I speak and when I hear, let the love light shine through me. There are things I need to say, things that mean so much to me. If my words don't make me clear... Will you help me to be free? If I seemed to put you down, if you felt I didn't care, try to listen through my words to the feelings that we share. Poem by Ruth Babermeyer. And it's the universal human feelings, the longings, the needs, the yearnings that I think allow us to connect with one another because they are shared, because they are universals, just like the issues that we light our candles for each week. Our words, then, can possibly provide a kind of window into our own being and the being of another, a window to the soul, if you like. And words can also create a bridge that can link us to another human being as we slowly find ways to share our inner lives with one another building bridges between our divisions. I reach out to you. Would you reach out to me, as we sang in that chant earlier on? Marshall Rosenberg writes that NVC, nonviolent communication, is a powerful means of communication, but it goes far beyond that. It's a way of being, thinking, and living in this world. And its purpose is to inspire heartfelt connections between ourselves and other people, Connections that allow everyone's needs to be met through compassionate giving. It inspires us and others to give from the heart. 
and it also helps us to connect to our inner divinity and to what is alive in us in this moment. Words by Marshall Rosenberg. Now, I don't know about you, but these skills of deep communication do not come naturally to me. I think we need to learn them, we need to practice them, we need to make space in life for real communication to take place. But I think most of us, at some times in our lives, will have had the experience of being truly, deeply listened to. A sense of being really heard by someone who trusts us and accepts us, just as we are. Christian writer Mindy Caligrieri describes this as sacred listening on holy ground. Because we are honouring the divinity in one another when we listen at that deep level. And at that deep level, it isn't just about listening to the other person. An equally important part of that is listening deeply to ourselves. And I think that's sometimes the greatest challenge of all. Because it requires us to be patient and curious to explore in a spirit of not knowing, creating a compassionate flow at a heart level between us and within us. And I think at that deeper level, we do enter sacred space where we begin to overcome the illusion of our separateness and our isolation, a sacred space where true connection is possible. It's a very beautiful place to be. Amen. When we hear our voices in each other's words, we have understood the precious truth that we are all in this mysterious thing called life together. These aching separations we sometimes feel can be healed when we dare to find ways to communicate and to connect one with another courageous in our vulnerability, lifted by our curiosity about ourselves and others, with always more to be discovered, always more to be said, and more to be heard. So let us be brave communicators and deep listeners in the week ahead, willing to express that which lies within our hearts, willing to hear of what lies in the heart of another, willing to travel through life as explorers of what it means to be truly alive. Amen. Amen. Go well and blessed be. Amen.